everybody. My name is Bill Kiefer, and I want to welcome you to our podcast, Practical Wisdom from the Word of God. I believe the Bible is a book that God gave to us that's full of insights, wisdom, promises, and many other things that help us live daily life. So join me for the next few minutes as we look into the Word of God to find that practical wisdom we need today. Should the enemy try to condemn our fight, his righteousness will Well, praise God. Welcome again to Practical Wisdom from the Word of God. My name is Bill Kiefer, and we are going to look into some things in the Bible that I believe are going to help us as we face the challenges of life. We've been dealing with the idea throughout all of this podcast uh, since we started it of becoming more than a conqueror and overcoming the world, meaning not living subject to all the junk that goes on around us, but being able to rise up in Christ. It doesn't mean nothing ever goes wrong. It doesn't mean that we have everything we always want and need. God says, however, that he will provide for all of our needs according to his riches and glory. That leaves to, uh, without saying, I should say, that uh, that is determined by his will, not our will. But the the thing is, we God wants us to be overcoming in the midst of all this stuff that's going on, in the midst of the diseases and the, the financial things and political things. We are living in a difficult time in the world today, but God has a way for you and I to live above that, not necessarily unaffected by it, but not being overcome by it. And that's what we're really talking about, and we are discussing the idea of cultivating the skill of successful waiting because everything in life requires that we wait and even faith in God will require times of waiting. And so we've talked about this from many different perspectives. uh, And uh, the last time we talked about the idea that faith comes from relationship and therefore waiting is a product of relationship. So many times when we talk about things like, well, we're going to wait on the Lord, and and that kind of clicks us into this religion mode. But Christianity is not a matter of religion. It's a matter of relationship. And so we talked about the fact that we can't uh, apply these things. Now, there are principles that we have certain things that we do. In other words, given it shall be given unto you, good measure pressed down, shaken together, shall be given unto you. And so that's kind of a cause and effect thing. If we give, it's given. And so there are many principles like that that have actions that are required, things that we need to do, and those things produce a given result. But that doesn't mean that that principle operates outside of the relationship. The principles work because we have a relationship with Almighty God through Christ Jesus. We used to teach a lot on faith and prayer and all kinds of other things, seven steps to a deeper prayer life, ten steps to the highest kind of faith, and we like that sort of thing. We like religion. We like uh, we like uh, steps primarily because they're clean, they're simple, you do this, you get that. But the thing about relationship is that relationships are never quite that clean and simple. Everybody's different. That's why marriages are different. There are principles that apply to everybody's marriage, but they may work out or they may function or they may look 
differently in every marriage because everybody's different. And so Christianity is first and foremost in every area of relationship. So what I want to talk about right now, we're going to begin to get into a little bit of the how to wait on God. How do we wait for God? And we've really covered this in so many ways. If you go through everything that we've said, I have a book that's available through Amazon called Faith and Waiting. You look for my name, look for the title of that book, and if you can't find it, there's an email address at the end of this broadcast that you can uh, request it from me and I'll get it to you. But there's all kinds of things, and but we want to know how. What is it I have to do in order to wait on God? But as we do that, or before we even take that step into how to do it, I want to look at one more overriding thing, and that is, and we started to talk about this last time, but I want to emphasize it this time because it's this important. Faith, or excuse me, waiting is not something we do just when there is a problem. We have a tendency, and, and if you've been a, a spirit-filled Christian in particular, maybe a, a, a evangelical Christian, uh, and any Christian, if you really know God, something happens or something that we talk about is the idea of fasting and prayer, that we're going to take some time. I know when I have a big decision and over the years, I would try and get away from everything, maybe go and stay in a hotel or one time I stayed in a cabin up in the middle of nowhere in the winter. It was interesting. But it, the idea was to get me away from everything and I would fast and pray. And you fast, you don't fast to get God to do something. You don't fast to get the devil to do something. The devil doesn't care if you die of, of, of starvation and God is not going to be moved because you missed a few meals. You fast in order to shut down the flesh and make the 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 spirit louder. You know, we're, we have so much noise around us. So I like to get away somewhere, shut the noise off, and even make my body shut down a bit. And, uh, just uh, tell my body, now we're not going to focus on you right now to the point where I'm not going to eat. Uh, I may drink water. I may eat some, some light things, but I'm not going to make my focus my body. I'm going to make my focus my spirit. And that's what fasting does for us. And indeed, Fasting and prayer can be a major tool to the idea of waiting on God when we're in a situation where we need to hear answers. The problem is, whenever we talk about those things, we usually focus on those times where we have a problem. And so, okay, uh, I got to make this decision. I'm going to go fast and pray. I'm going to wait on the Lord. Uh, I, I, I need to see something happen, so I'm going to wait on the Lord. And it may incur, uh, include things like fasting and prayer. Or the, the basic idea I want to get to is that we set that thing called waiting on God apart to specific times and areas in our life. The thing about that is, that's not the way it works. That's not what it's talking about in the end of Isaiah chapter 40. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Well, that's not saying if I wait on my religious understanding, if I wait on certain steps, or it doesn't say uh, I'm going to wait on the Lord. They that wait on the Lord when there's pressure, when they need an answer, when they need to see God move, they that wait on the Lord in those times are going to renew their strength. It doesn't say that. And we've already pointed this out, but I want you to understand today, beyond any doubt, waiting cannot be done just during those times of pressure. Waiting on God is a lifestyle that we cultivate. If we cultivate that lifestyle, then we will be able to do it more effectively when we do need to hear an answer, when we do have a pressing situation. I'm not saying you shouldn't wait on God in those times or fast and pray in those times, but if that's the only time you do it, then you're going to have a problem. 
I want to use uh, marriage as an example, and my marriage in particular. Uh, I have been married to, uh, I'm sorry all you other guys, but I've been married to the greatest wife that has ever existed uh, since I was uh, 18 years old. We've been just celebrated 49 years of marriage. I, I, I want you to know we're still in love. We still love one another, and we still even like one another. We spend a lot of time together. We've had the privilege of being in ministry uh, since 1978. Uh, I was 24, I think, at that time. She's a little older than I am, but that's okay. You don't need to know how old, but anyhow, uh, we've been together in ministry all that time, so I haven't really had a job outside of that. She's a nurse, so she's worked as a nurse occasionally, but for a long, long time, we've spent all our time together. Now, even though we're together all the time, that doesn't mean necessarily that we're going to have the kind of relationship we should, but we have learned to cultivate some things. Now, over the last seven years, I think it is, we, we've done a lot of travel, and in those travel times in ministry, we do spend time with one another, but it's there's work involved. We've seen a lot of things and uh, been a lot of places. It's just, we, we thank God for that privilege and honor. But uh, even though we did a lot of it together, there was work involved. And so... Uh, We've done this before, but after the kids were all grown up, about seven years ago, and of course the kids are grown up before that, but about seven years ago, somebody gave us uh, a good bit of money and said, "You, we want you to take a vacation, and there's only one stipulation, you can't preach anywhere, no work involved. So we started doing that in, 19, in 2014. And we just decided we're going to take a road trip. We're just going to see parts of this country that we've never seen before. If you're, if if you uh, have never seen all of the United States, it is a gorgeous, glorious place. Just just in the natural beauty of it. And so we decided to do that. And we spent uh, three weeks the first time. I think it was three weeks each time, and and just her and I. We just got in the car. We didn't even have a major agenda. We had an idea what we wanted to see. We got in the car. We said, okay, this is our first stop, and and, sh- and my wife's job is to get the hotel reservations, and she's got uh, you know those membership programs and all that, and so she does real well with it, so she gets the, the locations to go to. She'll drive some, but I do the bulk of the driving. She does the bulk of the navigating, and but we were together. In our car, in our hotel rooms, in our in our uh, in restaurants, d- d- wherever we were, it was just her and I together. Now that was wonderful, and we've done it uh, twice since then, and we're just about to do it again. As a matter of fact, I'm trying to get ahead on these podcasts so that I won't have to do it while we're we're gone on our on our next vacation. And so we're going to do that again, and it will be time just with her and I. We we have a lot of fun together. We we don't you know I'm not saying we don't ever talk about the challenges that we face or or what we want to do or the work, but the main focus is just her and I. Now here's the thing. If we spent the first, uh, let's see, from uh, however many years, from 1974 to 2014, so what, 40 years, 30 years, I guess, uh, and we never really communicated with one another, and we never spent time together, and we never, uh, never, never really dealt uh, with any, we just, we were just there, we were together, but we never spent time together. And I'll expand on that in a moment. But if that were the case and we decided to get in the car and spend three weeks, 6,000 miles that we drove, I'll tell you what, if you have nothing in common, if you, if, you, if you haven't already cultivated that relationship, 
Well, what happens when you get together over three weeks with nobody else, really? And we didn't we didn't visit anybody. We didn't we didn't you know, you talk to people along the way, but we didn't we were alone. We were together. That was it. And man, I tell you, if we had never had relationship already developed, that would have been a long three weeks. I mean, we would not have known what to do with one another. I mean, I know there are things that you do with one another in the hotel room and stuff, but even that, you know, I'm telling you, if there is no a relationship already there, then the time of trying to focus your relationship becomes uh, awkward and generally can often become unsuccessful. And sometimes it becomes the death of the relationship instead of the life of the relationship. But you see, my wife and I have cultivated a lifestyle, and it's a lifestyle of waiting on one another. Waiting for, waiting on. Now, there's two words, waiting for and waiting on. Uh, two different words, I mean, that the way we say it, both Hebrew words really mean the same thing. They mean both. But the idea of waiting for someone is that you're waiting for them to do what needs to be done, either to get themselves ready or to or for you to get ready or for circumstances to be ready. When we're waiting for God, we're waiting for him to get everything in line, to get everything where it needs to be so that he can give us what we need. He can solve our problem in the best way possible for us. The idea of waiting on God does give you a little bit different picture, and the one that's constantly used, or often used, I should say, is the idea of a waiter waiting on a customer. Now, if the waiter comes and the waiter's just jabbering away and talking and not paying any attention to the customer, I'll tell you what, he's not going to get a tip from me because he won't know what I want. The idea is the waiter comes he says, listen, can uh, I'm your server today. What can I get for you? And then he does what? He shuts his mouth while you talk. You tell him what you'd like. He, you may have some questions or he may have some suggestions or she. They may have some suggestions. But basically the idea is the waiter is waiting for you to give them their orders so they know what to do. Now this is a good picture. And sometimes that indeed is what we're doing when we're waiting on the Lord. We need to know something. We need to know direction. Many times in my life, I've spent time, I've set myself apart because I wanted to shut down everybody else's voice and I wanted to be able to hear the voice of the Lord. And I would say, Lord, I am your servant. I need to hear this. Can you speak to me? And so that's part of it. That's a good picture. The idea of waiting for means that we're just waiting for God to do what needs to be done to get us to the right place. We need to do that successfully as well. The idea of waiting on implies that I'm waiting to receive my directions for service. It's a good picture, but not a complete picture because I am not just a waiter and God is not my customer. God is my heavenly father and I am his child. That's a much better picture. And so when my children would come and ask instructions from me or I needed to give them direction, if they came just as, as some kind of impersonal servant, that's not, that's not going to work out real well because they need to come to me in relationship. It all goes back to that. And so uh, they, would, they would come and I would share things with them but if, if they were just looking for direction, and when we talk about waiting on God, if all we ever do when we want to spend time with God is say, okay, God, tell me what you want me to do, it gets really discouraging when he doesn't say what he wants you to do. And sometimes he doesn't. I've had times of fasting and prayer where I've gone and I needed direction, and I spent three days and had you know fellowship with God, and it was wonderful, but he never said word one about what I was there for. Well, then when I went back, I would see that 
uh, God was bringing that revelation to me. But the thing is, when we don't get directions, if all we think of and waiting on the Lord is we're wa- we're here to hear directions, then we're going to get discouraged. It's about so about so much more than that. And so, going back to our relationship between my wife and I. We have decided that we are going to minister to one another. What does that mean? Does that mean I bring her breakfast in bed? Well, not terribly often because it's just not something we do, but occasionally. But that's not what we're talking about. Does that mean I do chores for her or who she does things for me? That's part of it. I'm concerned about what she wants more than I'm concerned about what I want. Uh, she's concerned more about what I want and need than, than she is about what she wants and needs. We have made that a decision in our life and in our marriage. You know, the Bible speaks in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 about sexuality. And, and you know, there's nothing more intimate than sexuality. And it, it talks about the fact that the husband's body does not belong to him, but belongs to the wife. The wife's body does not belong to her, but belongs to the husband. Now, you can have all kinds of thoughts about what that means, but here's what I think it means, or partially at least what I think it means. In our most intimate relationship, in our the most intimate part of our relationship, I am not supposed to be concerned about what I want. I need to be looking to minister to her, to wait on her, to find out what her needs are, to find out what her desires are, to do my best to 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 give her the greatest pleasure, the greatest intimacy. If she's doing that for me and I'm doing that for her, that's waiting on one another. But beyond our sexual life, we talk to one another. You know, one of the big things about communication is it's communication. When I teach on marriage, I like to focus on that. It's not one person talking to the other. It's not one person trying to prove they're right or, or, or the other's wrong. It's not one person talking over the other. If we're going to communicate, one has to talk and the other has to listen. And as we cultivate a lifestyle of waiting on God every day, we need to spend time, whether it's, it can be driving in the car, it can be around the house. Sometimes I like to pray when I'm doing other things and praying the Holy Ghost and and just talk to God. But then there has to be times of listening to God. We're going to expand on that uh, in in some... uh, podcast to come. And so, but we need to spend time listening to him. We need to spend time talking to him. But then there's another level of it that gets even more uh, deep and more intimate as we cultivate this lifestyle of waiting on one another. You know, I, I am not by nature a terribly uh, social person. Uh, and And when you travel and you meet people that you don't know and you're in uh, churches that you're not, it's not your church, and particularly initially we develop a lot of long-term relationships, but when you first meet somebody, I've been driving in cars with pastors and other people, and I sit there, and it's like, you feel like, you know, you've got to do something to drive the conversation. If if they're not saying anything, I get into this mode where I feel like I need to say something, not because I necessarily want to, but I feel like it's uh, uh, it's expected of me. I'm obliged to try and communicate with this person, to try and let them know that I care about them, to try and 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 ask questions about their life and their church and, and just tell them a little bit about myself because we don't know one another yet. And sometimes I get into a mode and it's really funny. I'm sitting there and I and I and I I'm I'm talking and I I think to myself, will you just shut up? 
where you just stop talking. If they want to say something, and we'll don't no don't say that. And then I say it anyway. And I don't know if you've ever been there, but it just it's it's a little bit of a weird thing where I'm trying to compensate for my natural lack of communication. Now, when my wife and I are driving all those hours, we certainly do talk, but we may spend an hour, two hours, and not say one word to one another. Do you know why? We don't have to. We've cultivated a lifestyle of waiting on one another, listening to one another, talking to one another, knowing one another. This is another side of waiting on the Lord, and I, again, touched on it last time, but I want to emphasize it this time. He's here. When you're waiting on Him, waiting for Him or waiting on Him, He is here. He is a real person. He is really listening. He is everywhere present, but He's present where you are. And so we need to cultivate that sense of God is right here in the room. There was a a famous uh, monk by the name of Brother Andrew, and he said he talked about practicing the presence of God. And I've tried to do that over the course of my life. There are times when I just want to practice and close my eyes and say, Lord, I thank you. You are here right now and and open my heart and open my spirit to feel that presence because he is here just like my wife is present even if she's not talking god is present with us right now he's in the room where you are and and we can open our heart to sense and know that presence the bible says in in romans chapter 4 uh, verse 12 uh, 4 verse 16 let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need We need to come to God's throne, but we're not just coming to the throne. Again, don't turn on your religious thinking. We are coming to the one that's on the throne. Hallelujah. But he says, come boldly to the throne of grace. Come ahead. Come be with me. Come spend time with me. I was meditating on this scripture one time, and and it wasn't an open vision. It's not like the room disappeared, but an inward vision. God began to show me, and I began to see this throne room, and it looked like a throne room, and on the throne was God the Father. Don't ask me what he looks like. I I can't really tell you that, but next to him was Jesus, who the Bible says is at the right hand of God making intercession for us. And I heard the Father. Now, this started out as just an exercise, just as trying to picture what it might look like, but then the Holy Spirit began to take it over. And the Father said to me, come up, child. And this may sound a little strange to you, but I came up and sat on my father's lap. Hallelujah. And Jesus leaned over and said, this one is one of mine and he has need of something. And I did. We were, we were in music ministry. We needed some equipment. And Jesus said to the father, he has need of something. And I'm asking you to take care of that for him. And the father said, of course, we'll do that. And that was where it ended. But not too long after that equipment came into our hands in a way that was not possible. So I just want you to know he's here. The idea of waiting on the Lord or waiting for the Lord cannot be something we do only under pressure. Cultivate that waiting lifestyle. We touched on it last time, but I I really just wanted to spend time emphasizing it. Cultivate that waiting lifestyle. Talk to God. Listen to God. Spend time with God. Shut the TV off. Turn the phone off. Turn the internet off. Just just give him some time. You know, when we're driving, sometimes we'll listen to music and stuff, but, but we're cutting everything else off, and it's just my wife and I. Cut everything else off. Waiting on God is a, is a product of our relationship with him. And the more we cultivate that relationship lifestyle of waiting, of listening, of hearing, of talking, of communicating, the more when we come to that time where we really need to hear from God and we really want to up that 
another level, just like we do on these vacations. We're going to up our, our, our waiting on each other's relationship when it comes to my wife and I to another level. It won't be uh, it won't be unusual or it won't be uncomfortable or we won't c- get there and think, I don't know how to do this because we've cultivated it. Do the same thing with God the Father. If you want to know how to really wait on him, practice it this morning. Practice it this evening. Find some time where you can get quiet before God and you can open your ears to him and you can open your heart to him and just sometimes sit there in the quiet and say, God, I know you're here. Manifest yourself to me. You may not feel anything, or you may, but you will know that he is present. Waiting on the Lord. Let me read that uh, our foundation scripture one more time. But those who wait on the Lord, or while we're waiting for the Lord, both work together, shall renew, exchange, bypass our strength for God's strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles, Eagles are interesting birds. When the storm comes, they have the ability to lock their wings in a climb attitude, and the storm actually causes them to go higher. That's what we're like when we lift our hands in praise. We can renew our strength, mount up with wings like eagle. They shall run and not be weary. Listen, sometimes you got to run, but when you got to run, you can run and not get weary, and you can walk and not faint. Even when you get a little tired, you got to back it down to walk, you're not going to faint. Listen, this is all a product of our waiting relationship on God, communicating with Him, developing His presence in our lives. If you do that, then everything that you face along the way, when you need to really hear, you can turn it up a notch. But when you cultivate it as a lifestyle, you're going to find that all of the challenges of life become much easier to deal with because you know that you know, that you know, that your Father is here, and He is working in you. The emphasis is on remaining, uh, simply waiting for someone you love and trust to do what He said He would do. That's what we're talking about here. So God bless you. I'm out of time. We're going to spend a few weeks alone, my wife and I, but you'll be hearing from me because these podcasts will be coming up. Actually, by the time you hear this one, we'll be home. God bless you. Have a great day in Jesus, and we'll talk to you soon. This podcast is an outreach of Living Word International, a division of Intercession Ministries. If you'd like to contact us, please email livingwordintgreen at gmail.com. That's livingwordintgreene at gmail.com. Have a great day.